Hello. Say hi. Hello. Hi. <laughs> and welcome back. I'm Lydia. And I'm Grace. And we are everything with the girls. We hope you had a... (laughs) Sorry. No, it's fine. Don't worry. We're just excited to be back. It's just taken us Mm -hmm. almost an hour to set this up because we are still babies. We hope you had a fabulous Christmas and New Year. I mean, I assume you have because we're currently recording this at the start of December. So let's just assume everyone has a great Christmas, okay? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know about you, but I'm ready for 2021. But I'm not jinxing it this year. Because I jinxed it last year, and look what where that's got us. We're in How a global pandemic. I just got a bit too cocky. I was like, yeah, this is going to be a great year. I'm going to do so much. Oh, I made so God. many plans. And I just got too cocky. That's cocky. fucking me. You're like, 2020 is going to be my year. I remember getting anxiety over the fact that 2020 was a whole new decade. Yeah. But like, look at me. I, just, I have not changed. I just got, I got too cocky. Like, I made too many New Year's resolutions, and the universe was just like, you know what? Let's put this bitch down a peg or two. That's what they said about me. Do you want to know what my New Year's resolution was? What was it? It was to learn to do a headstand. Oh shit! Yeah. And have I done that? <laughs> have I fuck? I literally tried once, and I nearly broke my arm. <laughs> Yeah, I so, like. I probably made that many that I just don't even remember one right now, like of what I did. But I'm not normally a New one. Year's resolution oh, kind of person. It? It was gonna... I'm sure there was one. My mum might remember. I'm sure I said that I wasn't going to drink alcohol anymore, and look where that fucking got. Oh me. shit! Yeah, I remember that. You were like, "Yeah, I'm going to total." Oh, I I haven't overdrank during this pandemic, but I definitely couldn't have not drank. Let's just say that. Uh. But yeah, uh, me and Jin became very close friends. <laughs> so it feels like ages since we last uploaded. Not recorded, because we're recording right now, obviously. Because we decided that we wanted to take some time off over the Christmas period and just regroup and pre-record some episodes. Because we have pretty busy lives, or at least we like to think we have pretty busy lives. I mean, I and do, just... but it's... It's 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 busy, but it's not busy. I'm, yeah, I spend my entire life at work doing nothing. I yeah, can't... it's busy because you work shifts. Mm. Like, and mine's busy because I have to sit around waiting for emails off people. Like, don't get me wrong; I don't actually do anything at work, but <laughs> I can't research episodes. That would be really unprofessional. Yeah, that would. So things are gonna be a little bit different, right? Let's think of this as season two of the podcast because it just makes sense, doesn't it? New year, mm-hmm. new season. New this year, time round, we're going to structure it a little bit different. While we kept to specific themes last season, we found out the theme structure was a little bit too limiting. Some themes we were like, yeah, let's just do two. And then other ones we were like, oh, there's six episodes we could fit into this. Just didn't really make sense, did it? So we're just going to post what cases we find most interesting from now on, whether you like it or not, pretty much. <laughs> you get what you're given. Yeah. You get what you're given and that's that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, no matter what the theme, we're just going to do it. There's a long list right now, isn't there? 
How many have we got on the there list? There are some good ones. There are some good ones. We've got almost 40 on that list. That's almost a year's worth of episodes. Oh, it yes, is scary. on it. We are Already on ready it. for 2022. Yes. So for our first episode back, we're going to be talking about Mary Bell, one of the most notorious of child killers in the history of UK crime. Some might say anyway. I know people who've never heard of her. Have you ever heard of her? I'm trying to think. I feel like I have, but I won't know until we've done this podcast. Mm, Yeah, yeah. She was like the most evil child before John Venables and Robert Thompson. Do you know what I mean? Like You mean the child killer? Yeah, well, child as well because of what they did. Oh, is she a girl? She's a girl? Yeah, 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 yeah. She killed two. Uh, I thought she was like a grown up. No, no, no. She was a child at the time. I think she was only like 11, maybe. Okay, um, interesting. Yeah, so let's just do it, shall we? Let's go. I'm ready to learn and just like expand my knowledge on Mary. You know? Yeah. On the 26th of May, 1957, <clears throat> Mary Flora Bell. That's not Flora. Cute name. I like the name Flora. Yeah, yeah but I'm kind of here for that. Um, Mary was born in the west end of Newcastle called Scotswood. It is a close-knit working-class community with local children frequently playing out in the derelict streets, often for hours without parental supervision. I feel like in the 60s, that's kind of, that was kind of normal. It was literally was... like, come come home before dark and that is it. Like, you have free even like Even when I was growing up, like, I remember my dad's, when he lived like in Bracknell, he had like the window of his kitchen overlooks the like the play area, the mm. park. And me and Elliot were going playing around, but obviously my dad was there. Oh, see, like even like in America, the like place that we lived on, like every, it was a bit like an estate, but everyone had a park and stuff. Like we would just go to the park on our own as kids, like. Mm. Without parental supervision, yeah. like yeah, I think I feel like we did too. I think it wasn't until like is it April Jones? Yeah, well, I was, was back taken. here by then. Yeah, yeah, but like it'd be like once it gets dark, that's when you can come home. Like when the streetlights come on. Mary was born to seventeen-year-old Betty McCricket. What a name! <laughs> and it's not known who Mary's biological father was. Very controversial for the nineteen fifties. Well, her mum was a sex old... worker as well. A seventeen-year-old sex worker yeah without a husband like yeah but when when it talks about like the derelict streets it was a very like low low class area do you know what i mean like poor area so for for that area it probably wouldn't have been that surprising do you know what i mean yeah for the society standards um, yeah so mary always believed her father to be billy bell who was married to mary's mother but they didn't get married until mary was a baby so it's not actually really certain that he was her biological father it could be like they could have known each other for years and stuff and then got married but like stranger things have happened yeah mary's home life was a nightmare of extreme abuse and deprivation mary's mother was mentally unstable and was an alcoholic she worked as a sex worker and was often absent from the family home and her young daughter. Family members have said on a number of occasions that Betty tried more than once to take Mary's life and tried to make her death look accidental during her first few years of life. Her family became suspicious of this when Mary fell from the window 
and when she accidentally consumed some sleeping pills. There's one time that a witness recalled seeing Betty give the pills to Mary, telling her they were sweets. I mean, I mean, if you're going to make sleeping pills in pink I feel like and quite blues, a lot then... of mums have done... I feel like that's... Mums have done that before to just get the child to shut up, like give them a sleeping <laughs> pill until it's just a sweet. <laughs> oh, God. Not that I'm oh condoning that. Some have actually suggested that Betty suffered from the psychiatric disease... disease Munchausen's syndrome by proxy. It's a disease where the parents, guardians or caregivers fabricate health problems for those in their care. Normally they're they're biological or whatever children. It's actually something that Dee Dee Blanchard had and she would fabricate her daughter Gypsy Rose's illnesses for attention and money. That situation ended in Gypsy and her boyfriend killing Dee Dee in 2015. Have you seen that? Uh, the yeah, act? I remember that. Gypsy Rose, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, have you watched the act on Prime? Have I? Maybe. It's got Maybe. Joey King in. How else would I know about it? I feel like It's I have. so weird. I've always known about it, but then I watched this. I think I binged it within like a day. Mm. It's so weird. We, well, like we should do an episode on Gypsy Rose for sure. Yeah, I think she's on the list. There's some information that suggests that after the fall incident, Mary had suffered brain damage as a result, but now this damage is attributed to childhood abuse from her own mother. So it's not just from one incident, it's just an accumulation of everything. Evidence suggests that Mary had damage to her prefrontal cortex, the area of the brain associated with voluntary movements and decision-making. That bit will come in handy later on. So put a sticky note on that. (laughs) so in her work as a sex worker betty bell which is her mother she obviously got married to and her name is now bell if that has confused anyone specialized in playing the role of a dominatrix as well as other bdsm roles which mixed violence with sex as we'll see later this mixing of violence with pleasure may have had a hand in shaping young mary's psyche betty would perform violent acts with and for her clients, and Mary most certainly bore witness to this behaviour. Imagine a child seeing a scene like that and the impression it left on her young, malleable mind. Well, that's very much the same, kind of the same thing as Rose West, yeah. isn't it? Like, you're taught, like, because kids, they're literally, they learn from absolutely everything they see, so if they see mm. their mum working, doing all that, they're going to think it's normal and, like... The yeah. hair to be I mean, treated uh, you in a get certain that. way. With, with most, with most serial, I mean, not all of them, but the majority of serial killers, there is a link in that they've been yeah. abused as children, and yeah. then they end up thinking that that's okay yeah. or that that's normal. Mm. The single biggest predictor of whether or not a child would become a perpetrator or a victim of violence later in life is whether or not they have witnessed violence in the home as a child. I think we can all agree Mary witnessed an awful amount of violence because of the actions of her mother. The children at the DeLaval Road Junior School bore the brunt of Mary's violent behaviour. She attempted to strangle young children and on one occasion she stubbed out a cigarette on the cheek of a young girl. Mary was a pretty girl with dark hair and pierced blue eyes. Her school teachers would comment how bright she is but expressed concerns about her lack of feelings for other people. Although Mary's violent behaviour was noticed by those around her, nothing was ever done. She tried to strangle a little girl and suffocate her by filling her mouth with sand while her friend Norma held her down. Although Norma was a couple of years older than Mary, 
She had learning difficulties and was easily led by younger girls. Mary's terrified victim managed to get away and the incident was reported to the police, but no action was ever taken. With the abuse that she was already subject to, it's unfortunately not much of a surprise that Mary was subject to sexual abuse as well. This heartbreakingly began at age five. In no time, young Mary was being prostituted to support the family and probably for the sadistic thrills of her less than perfect parents. Mary was a pre-teen prostitute serving clients probably as far back as her young mind could remember. So on May 25th, 1968, the day before Mary Bell turned 11 years old, the murder of Martin Brown took place. In an abandoned home, four-year-old Martin's body was found with blood and saliva all over his face. At first, it was suspected that the boy died by accident, but upon further investigation, the police uncovered that something infinitely more sinister had happened. Martin Brown had been brutally strangled. Though there is no conclusive proof, it is thought that Mary is alone when she kills Martin. Between then and the second killing, she and the friend, Norma, who we spoke about just before, broke into a vandalised nursery in Scotswood, leaving notes that claimed responsibility for the killing. The pair used childish language, writing, We did murder Martin Brown. We murder. Watch out. I murder so that I may come back. The police dismissed this incident as a prank, though. So, what, Norman's like her accomplice? Not in the first murder, but in the second one, yeah. But you you can't know for sure in the first murder? No, but as the trial goes on, there is, like, certain things, like, that comes out that the evidence only points to Mary. So at 11 years old, she's already murdered someone. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. But yeah, the evidence only points to Mary in that first murder, but they, they can't rule out that Norma wasn't there. Like, she could have been watching, like... Probably. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so, two months later, on 31st of July, 1968, Mary, this time with her neighbour and accomplice, Norma Bell, murdered again. The victim is three-year-old Brian Howe. After a walk with the pair, Brian is found on wasteland in a nearby area that locals call the Tin Lizzie. This time, there were disturbing signs and clues to the killer's identities. Police reports concluded that Mary Bell later returned to his body to carve an M into the boy's abdomen and used scissors to cut off some of his hair, scratch his legs and mutilate his genitals. The community, in a panic, looked for the perpetrators and the police started to question children in the area. The police heard from a young boy who saw what had happened to Brian Howe. The young boy saw Mary tell her victim that he has a sore throat and gives it a massage. She then tightens her grip about his throat and doesn't let go. With the violent attacks on her schoolmates, bizarre obsession with questioning the relatives of the dead boys and her obvious interest in the case, the investigation narrowed in on Mary and her friend Norma. Apparently, Norma seemed to be excited at the murder throughout questioning and kept smiling as if it was one big joke, and Mary became evasive with the investigators' questioning. It was Mary, though, who would continue to act the most strangely. During questioning, she claimed to have seen the eight-year-old boy with Brian the day he was murdered, and Mary would say that she saw the eight-year-old hit Brian, playing with the pair of scissors. The problem was that the boy was at the airport during the time frame of Brian's murder. That's a pretty solid alibi, if you ask me. (laughs) (laughs) And the knowledge of the scissors being involved in the murder wasn't common knowledge. That's how they always get them. 
fucked they up, Mary. Always get them. Even an eleven-year-old, eleven-year-old can be so narcissistic that they fuck up. Like, yeah, yeah. According to the reports, Mary had implicated herself in having known confidential information about the murder. You always. fucked it. You I feel like every up. every case we've done so far. <laughs> They've caught them because they've fucked up because they're so narcissistic. Yeah. It's like why every single time down? they get cocky and they get caught. Yeah, yeah. The day that Brian Howe was buried, Mary was standing outside the Howe home and was seen by a detective laughing and rubbing her hands together like a evil villain. <laughs> Did she have a white cat with her as well? <laughs> <laughs> You'll never catch me. <laughs> yeah, uh, we already caught you, Mary. You fucking idiot. <laughs> DCO James Dobson said Mary Bell was standing in front of the house house when the coffin was brought out. I, of course, was watching her. And it was when I saw her there that I knew I did not dare risk another day. She stood there laughing, laughing and rubbing her hands. And I thought, oh, my God, I've got to bring her in. She's going to kill someone else. The detective decided to question Norma about the murder of Brian, who revealed a lot of information about the murders. Mary still didn't reveal much information. She wouldn't even make a statement and accuse Norma of lying. Norma would reveal more information that implicated Mary, but Mary would eventually admit to being present during Brian's death. But she did say that Norma was responsible for the murder. On hearing of Mary's arrest, her school teacher, Eric Foster, looked over his troubled pupils' exercise books. He found that Mary had made notes about Martin's death and drawn pictures which contained information about the scene that was never revealed to the public. There was only one explanation. Mary was there when the little boy had died. Sorry, dun, but why dun, is this dun. teacher not checking the exercise books? I mean, there's like Isn't 30 that, like kids a thing in there. Uh, you do. Yeah. But then I suppose, like, unless they have work to mark, there's no need to check them, is there? Can you imagine opening it up and there's just like a little drawing of a boy, like, dead? <laughs> it's so bad, isn't but, it? Like, what the fuck? The detectives were amazed at Mary's intelligence and agile mind. She would answer one question and correctly anticipate the further series of questions from police and give answers to every single one of those as well. Chief Inspector Dobson formally charged Mary Bell with the murder of Brian Howe. That's all right with me, she replies. (laughs) Okay. He then charged Norma Bell. Oh, God. (laughs) I know. He then charged Norma. Well, by the way, Mary and Norma are of, of no relation. It's just a coincidence that they've got both the same last name. Like, yeah. He then charged Norma, who, in anger at the charge, declared, I never, I will pay you back for this. I mean, you're already Imagine getting a murder like... charge. You're then going to threaten a police officer. <laughs> yeah, good one. Imagine being like, yeah, um, you know what, babe? We're going to charge you with murder. That's all right with me. No problem. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) I mean, it just, like, it completely cements the idea that she has no concept of right and wrong. Do you know what I mean? She literally does not care. I think it also kind of shows, like, it, like, reminds you that she's a child and that she obviously doesn't doesn't know the consequences. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, She's all. It's also like she's grown up in that violent environment, so it's like, all right, well, I didn't really do anything different than anyone else. It just happened to be that they died from it. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, mm. I was taught this violence, whatever. 
The two were initially brought up on manslaughter charges, although the charges against Norma were eventually dropped. Oh, that's interesting. So this is the first... Is this the first murder? No. They were charged on manslaughter for Brian Howe. But then, as we go on about the trial, they'll see that it's definitely not manslaughter. Because gotcha. even even then, you're probably going to think, oh, how can a child possibly kill someone? Like... Maybe they were just playing and it went wrong. Like, it must have been an accident of some way. Do you know what so I mean? So, at this point, at this point in time, they think this girl and her friend perhaps killed this boy. Yeah. They don't know about the first boy. Not that I know. They, that all comes out. They know about the boy, but they don't know that Mary was... They don't know that they're definitely linked, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So, it, as so, we go on, more evidence comes out. Okay. Right before the trial, new evidence would emerge that a nursery school close to where Martin Brown was killed had been broken into and vandalised. Supplies like scissors and other cleaning supplies were stolen from the school. Investigators found four notes in the school, all scribbled by children and filled with profanity. One started saying, we did murder Martin Brown. Another said that I murder so that I may come back. The police at the time still assumed that the murders were an accident but they also heard testimony from other children about Mary screaming, I am a murderer, and pointing to Brian Howe's home, saying, that's where I killed. She would say to women guards as she awaited trial that I liked hurting things that can't fight back. It was revealed that Mary was the only culprit in the Martin Brown death, although both Norma and Mary were involved in the Brian Howe death. While they would both blame each other, they also returned to the crime scene to mutilate Brian's body with an M. Yeah, so they didn't actually mutilate his body when they killed him. Yeah. They did it before anyone found him. So, like, they've gone home, known that they'd done something wrong, but enjoyed it, so wanted to do more to get even more Mm. satisfaction from it. So this is fucked up, man. On the 17th of December, 1968, at court two at the Newcastle Courts, the court was told that the two defendants in the dock murdered solely for the pleasure and excitement of killing. Quote, in an effort to make allowance for the young age of the defendants, Mr. Justice, okay, Kuzak. You know that all judges are called Mr. Justice? Yeah, I just find it so weird. Oh, okay, because when you went, okay, I was thinking, that's not his first name, but that'd be fucking cool if it was Mr. Yeah. Justice Justice. I mean, you know what what job your child's going to go into if you do yeah. <laughs> No, no, I know it's Mr. Justice, like, but I just find it so weird, like, yeah, not no, saying, weird, like, just yeah. justice, like. It's so, like, medieval, isn't it? Yeah. Mr. Justice Kuzak rules that lawyers can sit with their clients as, like, a, I don't know. Oh, Over the they're co- so young. Yeah, basically. So they're not on their own in the dock because they're probably not going to behave themselves either Like, because they are still yeah. children. Like, Over the course of nine days, the court heard testimony from both Mary and Norma. Prosecutor Rudolph Lyons opens the trial suggesting that whoever murdered Brian also murdered Martin. So even at this point, they're still not conclusively not saying sure. that these girls murdered both mm. of them. Like, it is, it's just, yeah. The court heard evidence from handwriting experts about the confessional notes found at the nursery, which are linked to both girls. They were also told of the morbid questioning from of the victims' families by Mary and how she asked to see the dead bodies. Forensic evidence implicated Mary as grey fibres from one of her wool dresses were discovered on the bodies of both victims. 
Fibres from Norba's maroon skirt were only found on Brian's shoes. That's why they're not entirely sure if Norma was there on the first murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, taken all together, it makes for a strong case against both defendants. I mean, she's I shouting in the schoolyard that she's killed these kids. Like, I think as well, like, in Martin's death, I feel like, I, I mean, I don't actually know what happens to Norma and... Mary, but I feel like if you're 11, 12, 13 and you do something, you could never go your entire life without confessing to that. So I think it's pretty safe to say that Norma wasn't involved in the first murder. Yeah, 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 yeah. As with their police interviews, the sharp contrast between the two girls played out in court, particularly when they took the stand to answer the barrister's questions. Mary maintained her intelligent, dominating manner, giving witty quips to the lawyers. Observers called Norma a pathetic child who was overwhelmed by the trial. After the children's testimony, the defence called the psychiatrist who examined Mary. Dr Robert Orton testified that she suffered from a psychopathic personality disorder and that she has demonstrated a lack of feelings towards others and is liable to act on impulse. I mean, we can all see that. Yeah. You don't need a doctor to tell me that. (laughs) The jury of five women and seven men took under four hours to return a verdict. Norma was found not guilty of manslaughter, as she is considered to be simple-minded. Quote, Quote. that is not all. Simple-minded. Mary Bell is cleared of murder, but found guilty of the lesser charge of manslaughter. The judge passed a sentence of detention for life. Mr Justice Kuzak described Mary as dangerous and posing a very grave risk to other children. Mary's psychiatrist relied on observations alone. No one came forward from her family to try and explain how her past may have affected her behaviour. Yeah, actually, that's very interesting. Where's her mum? It's like, no one can ever excuse what she did. But you also can't ignore the fact that she is a victim of abuse. She learnt this behaviour somewhere else. And she has a medical condition where her brain has been damaged so she can't effectively make decisions and see right from wrong and that sort of thing do you know what I mean it's not just black and white no and I also think on like the other hand like this happened so long ago that we're able to like look back at it retrospectively but like when you look at I mean I'm I maybe it's personal opinions but the John Benables um yeah I talk about that Thompson murder like they maybe you think that that crime was worse because of what they'd done or whatever but they were children as well but i think they get such a hard time because it was in our lifetime and Um, we kind of still remember that but like this was like 60 50 60 years ago so we can look back at it like this girl was unwell blah 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 yeah no i know like people like use john ben like john venables especially because he's in and out of prison still Oh, I don't know. I feel like we we get we pick and choose who we kind of feel sorry for and who we like accept. It's yeah, like they a, were abused by their parents or whatever. None of them are the thing, well. I also think maybe it's to do with where it is as well. Like, it's still talked about here now because I can't speak for what the culture is like up in Newcastle, but in Liverpool, it's very much. If you do one person wrong, everyone will turn on you. Doesn't matter whether they know you or not. 
Like, especially in that case, even if you see like interviews now or radio talk now, everyone would be like, yeah, they're just evil, blah, blah, blah. They like deserve the death sentence. Mm. Like, There's no considering, there's no consideration of what they might have grown up in or like anything like that. Like they're evil. It's black and white. If they can do that, they're evil. And it's like, yes, you can't ever excuse what they've done, but you also have to acknowledge that. These aren't kids who've grown up in a middle to high class household where both parents are around and both parents treat them exactly how children should be treated and shown them all the love and care in the world. Do you know what I mean? And then they've turned out like this for no reason. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like you look at someone like Mary Bell and you think, well, she was, she was 11. She's a child. She, she's a victim of abuse. She clearly didn't know what she was doing, blah, blah, blah. Even when you look at people like, um, I can't even think, like Fred West, mm. classic case of a victim of abuse. Can't mm. can't compute right from wrong. His IQ is really low. Yeah. And he just doesn't understand. But then you get people like John Venables and um, Robert Thompson who are like evil to people. And they don't, people don't take into consideration like, I'd say the difference what they went between... through as children and how they grew yeah. up, but I think I think that what it is is like the media, the media, it's like the, are able to use these people as scapegoats, yeah, and like or oh, they're evil and that sells. It's the exact same as when we were talking about the demonization of Myra Hindley over Ian Brady, because yeah. she's a woman and she's supposed to be a caregiver and she's supposed to be motherly and loving. That's why people think she's so much more evil. It's the exact same as. Well, these are children, so children are innocent no matter what. So if these can do do this, they must be evil. They must have the devil mm. inside them. Like, there must be an explanation. But actually, in Mary's case, there is an explanation. Mm. She has damage to the part of her brain that cannot determine right from wrong. She ha- hasn't got impulse control. She doesn't understand the consequences of actions. Like, it's a medical condition. Doesn't yeah. excuse it. Two boys still yeah. died. Like... But it's like it's not black and white, and it like really no. pisses me off when people say it is. Like, yeah. it's like people yeah. call her a serial killer. She's not a serial killer. You have to have three or more victims to be a serial killer. Like, attaching that label onto someone demonizes them further. So you have to yeah, attach it correctly. Actually, you're right. Yeah, I was just about to say fun facts of Lydia, but actually, you're so right. No, people, but I said like, that's she's ma- called a serial killer, but actually, she's not. No, exactly. So, yeah, so you're just attaching a label that will demonize someone even further when you've got to use it correctly. Like, if they're a serial killer, call them a serial killer. But, like, yeah. But, yeah, so no, I said that to um, my dad and my brother yesterday, and they were like, okay, but she still killed two kids. I'm like, no, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I'm not saying that she's a good person. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's not her fault or anything like that. But, like, be smart. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, because, I I don't know, and we're not saying... We're not saying like, oh, if you have a shitty childhood, that gives you permission. Yeah, we're not trying to make you feel sorry for her. I know plenty of people that have had awful, like shitty childhoods, and they're fucking decent people. Exactly. I don't know. It's just an accumulation of a set of circumstances. But like, I do wonder whether, even if she'd had that shitty childhood and everything, and still had what she had, 
if she hadn't got brain damage as a result, would she still have gone on to kill two kids? Or even maybe just like, I don't want to like bring it on the mum, but like a more supportive mother. That's what I mean though. What I mean is though, it does it all come down to the brain damage? Yeah, well, that's the nature versus nurture, yeah. isn't it? Like, so, like, obviously, um, if she would had a more supportive mother and a more loving mother and father, like, whether he was biological or not, he was still the father figure, and she had still had that brain damage, They prob- she probably wouldn't have needed to turn towards violence because it wouldn't have been mm. normal in her life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I yeah. don't know. Food for thought. One of life's mysteries. Yeah, yeah, food for thought. So let's get on to the aftermath. So after her conviction, Mary was the focus of a great deal of attention from the British press and also from the German magazine Stern. Don't really know why that's relevant, but let's just throw it in there. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> her mother repeatedly sold stories about her to the press and often gave reporters writing she claimed to be her daughter's. I mean, like. I mean, that just. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say it. Your mother's a piece of shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's still a shitty person. <gasps> After nine years in prison in September 1977, when she briefly escaped from Moorcourt Open Prison, where she had been held since her transfer from a young offenders institute to adult prison the year earlier. Her penalty for this was the loss of prison privileges for 28 days and she would eventually be released in 1980 after serving two more years. So she got out. She absconded from prison and got loss of privileges for 28 days. And then she did a further year, I think, in prison or two years. So I couldn't well, I mean, find... How long was her sentence, though? Well, so the judge did had given her... 11 years in prison, 12 years in prison. Yeah, so, well, the judge had given her life, but, like, I don't think you can give a child life in prison. I don't think it's legal. <laughs> like, but so I what, think she, she came was. So, what, in 1980, and that was that? That was that. That's it. For killing two children. Did she get a different identity? This is what we go on to now. Ooh. Oh, what, there's more? Oh, I yeah. thought that was it. No, no. Okay. At 23 years old, she would be given the anonymity to start a new life. In 1984, she would have a daughter, and many speculated over whether Mary should or should not keep her daughter, given her past history. When Greta Cerny wrote Cries Unheard, she interviewed Mary and paid her to participate in the book, causing the vilification of both people by the tabloid press and by figures as high-ranking as Tony Blair, who was the Prime Minister at the time. Oh, God, who cares about his... That's true. Like, you're a war criminal, mate. Like, jog on. <laughs> Tabloids I want to read pol- a book about a child serial killer, Tony. Leave me alone. <laughs> Should we write about a book about all your past doing, shall we, Tony, lad? <laughs> yeah. God, be as big as a fucking Bible. <laughs> Tabloids and politicians expressed substantial outrage that a child killer was being paid to talk about her wrongdoing. Mary's daughter knew nothing of her mother's past until reporters discovered Belle's location in 1998, and the pair had to leave their home with bedsheets over their heads. Belle's daughters... Can I just say, though, I think they actually had to leave the home with bedsheets like that because someone had like tried to set, set fire to the house. Really? 
Yeah, because they found out who she was. Belle's daughter's anonymity was originally protected until she reached the age of 18. However, on the 21st of May 2003, Belle won a high court battle to have her own anonymity, sorry, and that of her daughter extended for life. Consequently, any court order permanently protecting the identity of a convict in Britain is sometimes known as a Mary Bell order. The order was later updated to include Bell's granddaughter, born January 2009, who was referred to as Z. Bell's current whereabouts is unknown. And I think her and John Venables, or like, and Robert Thompson, are the only three to have had that extended period. I could be wrong, but I think we have I mentioned mean, it before. Has- I don't know if John Venables had extended or if he's actually... No, John Venables just needed multiple ones. No, no, it's not even that. He's kept coming in and out of prison for child pornography. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there we have it. The case of Mary Bell and the hair murders of Martin Brown and Brian Howe. It's a horrible case, but one that I personally find quite interesting. It's like with Women Who Kill because it is more glamorised of male serial killers like Ted Bundy is so glamorised because like mm. oh he was supposedly handsome when he wasn't he looked like a toe but whatever like I don't know I just I do find it interesting like especially with how quickly people de- very... demonise it yeah it's a very taboo topic isn't it yeah like... like we expect yeah. the violence from men but not women and children like mm. so we hope you enjoyed this episode If you did, leave us a comment on our Instagram and let us know of any other cases you'd like us to cover, no matter what their theme is, because we're changing it up. Yeah. We're doing anything and everything, everything with the girls. (laughs) Follow us on Instagram at everythingwiththegirlspod and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like this episode or any of our others, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Because I still want people to know what they think about us, although I don't know if that's opening yeah, a trap we door. We want to quit our jobs and come <laughs> Yeah, although I don't know if that's asking for trouble, wanting to know what people think about us. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, so that's it. Episode one, season weekend. two, done. Have a great week. And happy new year. Woohoo!